It took less than two weeks for the DeAndre Ayton rumors to start flying, and we already have two potential partners. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, is there really this big of a market for DeAndre Ayton, and what are our favorite trades? We'll dive into all of it. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for making Locked On Suns your first listen to start your week. Monday, May 22nd, the offseason is in full swing. The conference finals are trash, and the Suns don't have a head coach. So, a lot to talk about, a lot to get messy with as the offseason continues. Hit follow or subscribe wherever you're finding us to get this show in your feed every single Monday through Friday. Become an everydayer. Get locked on to your favorite team. You can also follow along at Locked On PHX Suns over on Twitter to get new shows. Have some fun. Engage with the show that way. YouTube comments, a great way to do that as well. Comment with your favorite DeAndre Ayton trade down below. Brandon Duenas is joining us as he does every single Monday to start off the week. He is a writer over at Bright Side of the Sun and our Monday co-host here on the show. You, uh, you you had a late night last night, Brandon. I feel like it's been a week since I recorded this podcast, even though it very much hasn't. I literally panicked as I was getting ready to sit down with you thinking, did I do a show on Friday? But I absolutely did. So it's just been one of those weekends. But how are you, man? How are you doing? Good. Yeah, it's been it's been a long week for me as well. So so I can relate to that for sure. Um, but, you know, offseason talk starting before the playoffs are even over. That's just how the, the cycle goes. And I'm here for it. Like, obviously, I'd rather have the Suns be in the playoffs right now. But the, the offseason is the, the most exciting part of, of basketball, which sounds crazy to say out loud. But it really is like especially when me, your team loses in the second round two straight years. Right. I mean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just uh, forget about that. Uh, that's, that's kind of my mindset, at least going yeah. into these, this, this next season, just kind of men in black, uh, erase memory, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever that thing was called. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this off season. It feels like it's going to be a clean slate and there's, there's a lot to dive into. So excited for that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm hoping there's a, another mystery superstar on June 30th who just tweet or leaks that he would like to be a member of the Phoenix Suns. That was a lot nicer last summer it helped with the content it helped with all of us not getting too depressed after the the loss so let's let's hope you know week and a half from now or a month and a half from now we're getting the same thing but we're going to talk about DeAndre Ayton which feels much more certain they're going to have to make a decision there's going to be some talk there already has been some talk on Ayton that is not waiting for something great to fall out of the sky that is the here and now Portland apparently is interested in DeAndre Ayton. I think they were last year. I think that's not a a new thing by any means. But the Dallas Mavericks are on the list apparently now as well, Brandon. On, on the Portland side, something involving the third overall pick, I would imagine that is very likely to be something that would need to be a bigger trade or a, a, a sequence of deals. I don't think the Suns have any use for the number three overall pick. That's The, the Trailblazers do have some salaries, to move they have Jeremy Grant who's going to be a free agent they obviously have Yusuf Nurkic who is 
may or may not still be a useful NBA player on a winning team, but that is a big contract that they would be looking to get off. And then on the Dallas side, I'll let you pick whichever one you want to go hit first, Brandon, but the uh, the Dallas trade, allegedly, according to Eric Pincus over at Bleacher Report, would be Tim Hardaway, Josh Green, the number 10 overall pick, some assortment of those things. Which one intrigues you the most? Which do you think is most realistic? Where do you want to start? So first, I'll just start with the Portland deal, just like uh, to the first point you made. I think, you know, that one, obviously, it's pretty loose right now. There's no like firm source that has this like, you know, with actual names on where to go. And it doesn't really make a ton of sense for Portland to trade the third pick for DeAndre. And in my opinion, I think uh, one thing that I'm kind of looking at is like Toronto and Portland have been linked Phoenix getting in as a third team makes some sense. Gary Trent Jr. has been a name that's uh, shown some interest with the Suns. And, you know, Jeremy Grant, another guy maybe in a sign-and-trade. So there could be something there. Uh, You know, Toronto has the 13th pick. Blazers have the third. And if they really want to go on with Dame, making a deal for Siakam, something along those lines could – the Suns could step in as a third team if they're looking to get some depth on the wing, get a couple of rotation pieces, and help facilitate a trade. Um, That seems more realistic to me than – Aiden just being dealt for a third pick. It, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. But, I mean, Portland's yeah. done dumb stuff in the past. So That's what know, I was just going to say is, like, <laughs> considering they've already shown their hand, I'm not sure how many players in the NBA, period, even in a uh, whatever draft you're talking about, are just worth the third overall pick, you know? Mm-hmm. And Portland seems hell-bent on making that deal – no matter who they're getting back. I mean, not no matter who, but they very much want to get something for it. And that puts you in a bad spot. And I have a feeling that that third overall pick might kind of like the Rudy Gobert trade last year. We might be in for something where it's like, all right, that's not going to reset any precedent. That was just crazy and ridiculous and a panic move. And we just need to like throw that in the trash because it's actually not reasonable i think that might be where we're headed with portland because i don't know of anybody that they're realistically going to get considering they don't really have a lot else to trade i mean shade and sharp is good they have some salaries but they're not going to be in the joel Embiid sweepstakes or the you know Kawhi leonard sweepstakes or any like the huge players that may or may not become available they're not going to get in on that so they're they're going to be in that siakam range for sure um sounds like the dallas pick or the Dallas trade was more reasonable to you. Is that where you were headed? I think so. And, uh, you know, just circling back real quick to Portland to tie into this Dallas thing. I think uh, the entire offseason really does revolve around what the Blazers decide to do. Like if, if Dame, if they decided to blow it up and just rebuild, which I think would be the smart move, um, Dame Agreed. getting traded really shuffles a lot of things around the league. And that's a pretty obvious statement, but if they decide to go all in with Dame, which, uh, is a possibility, then that's going to open up a lot of three-way deals. Uh, potentially, that teams are going to try to swoop in. So, um, yeah, just looking at the Dallas trade, it seems a lot more simple, less complex. It's like whether it's for Kyrie or, um, you know, that, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Green, and, and number 10, uh, it just seems a little more simple. And uh, those types of trades are usually the ones that get done. Whenever it gets more complicated, more teams, yeah. uh, there, there's a lot more headaches involved and, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm not... I'm not thrilled with that Mavericks trade, but I, I will say Josh Green is someone that I do. I'm pretty high on. I think he's kind of like a, and I'm not just saying this because he went to U of A also, but like he reminds me of Aaron Gordon, like a smaller Aaron Gordon sort of with in terms of what his role is, just 
uh, feisty defender, freakish athlete. His three-point shot's improving. Uh, not really a ton of offensive um, activity, but he's someone that you can plug in a Suns rotation, and he he could be a guy that you know plays 25, 30 minutes. Uh, Tim Hardaway yeah. Jr. spacing the floor as well. Those are two playable wings. So uh, if you're trying to build depth, that's that's a solid start. And then flipping that tenth pick for some more help as well. So it's not the worst trade, um, but it's also not something that really you know is going to excite Suns fans either. So those two trades are pretty similar in that you know primarily the main value would be the pick. Um, we can talk about in the next segment if that's where the Suns are most likely to go, what their priorities would be, what other types of trades there might be out there that we like more. But since these two rumors are out there and can take or leave it, I'm not going to buy in in a huge way to rumors outside of a, a handful of NBA reporters, especially when they are this vague. So I don't see this as like the Trailblazers and Mavericks are in a bidding war for DeAndre Ayton all of a sudden. But the way that I'll ask it to you in a big picture way is like, do you think there's actually this much of a market for Ayton that two reports like this would come out so quickly with legitimate value attached to him? That surprised me. I, I wasn't expecting that much attention or interest to be on a guy who we all in Phoenix are very cold on right now. I do. And uh, the main reason I think his value and like, this is just the good news for Suns fans. Obviously the bad news is his value has dropped. Um, if you're looking to trade DeAndre and it, it means he hasn't lived up to his potential. If he was being the DeAndre and they want him to be, he's not on the block right now. And the Suns are probably still playing. Uh, yeah. So for, for me, like I see him, he's an up former number one overall pick. He's still pretty young. Uh, he's shown flashes of being a dominant center. So it's an easy sell as a GM to say, Let's bring him in this system. You know, we could correct this, uh, you know, especially if it's just the first time he's being moved to, to a different team. If it's like the, the third stop or fourth stop, then at that point, it's like you got to kind of accept this player probably is who they are. But with, with Aiton, there's that still that intrigue of like, what's he going to look like somewhere else? And I think a lot of GMs, a lot of executives think that they could probably bring him in and, and sort of use him as like a reclamation project slash buy low candidate because – in reality, the best time to trade for a player is when their value is low. Sometimes it, it can backfire, but at that point, it's like you, you bought low on him. So that, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? He's just going to continue to be this version of himself. So I'm not shocked in the interest. Uh, his value has dropped, which sucks for the Suns, but I think the interest will still be there. Yeah, and the thing I've been saying that backs up the idea that there will at the very least be more interest now than there was last summer is last summer you were looking very much at who has cap space right and then second to that is who can swing a sign and trade which I think NBA fans especially in this day and age whether it's the Jimmy Butler deal or it's whatever you want to point to we like to get very imaginative with sign and trades but they hard cap you and they are still fairly complicated and all that was what was going to have to go into getting DeAndre Ayton last year if you were an NBA team with any sort of interest. Now, it's just a trade, and that's much easier to do. And a lot more teams are going to be in the running, just practically, like logistically, they're legally going to be able to be in the running versus last year. And so I'm sure that will contribute as well, just a wider pool of teams. He's only under contract for three seasons, all these reasons. So with that all said, let's dive into what trades we like the sound of 
what types of other deals might be out there aside from things centered on these draft picks, which is the Portland and the Dallas rumor that's out there? Are there other role player centered deals or other star centered deals? We'll dive into a bunch of different various possibilities next. First today's show brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks came in, they fixed the entire daily fantasy game. You know that by now. They made it so that you're not facing a pool or a league or even an opponent head-to-head. It is just you versus the prize picks player projections from now through the rest of the playoffs and through the finals. One prize picks user will win a chance of becoming a millionaire every single day. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern will be randomly selected on prize picks, and whoever placed that entry will be given a chance to make another six-pick flex with the following payouts. If you get all six right, you get a million. If you get five, 80 grand, four, 16 grand. You can see the full details at pricepicks.com slash million. Opt in at that link to be eligible. And again, all you have to do is set a slate and then you could be picked to get a chance at another one for up to a million dollars. Sign up today at pricepicks.com or on the PrizePicks app and use the promo code locked on when you do to get an instant deposit match up to $100. That's enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Okay, Brandon, I'll let you have the floor first here as we get through some other Aiton possibilities in the trade market. We talked about Portland and Dallas. What else would you be looking at if you're the Phoenix Suns? What should fans keep their eye on? So there's there's a couple. Um, I'll start with the first one that kind of seems a little bit obvious is the Atlanta Hawks, Clint Capella, Sadiq Bay thing. I think that that pair uh, makes sense because I think Capella just bringing that high motor, you know, knows his role to a T uh, at the center position and then adding a, a shooter like Sadiq Bey that can help space the floor and fit in your playoff rotation. That's one that I think that's something to monitor just because I think Atlanta's probably a team that's going to try to shake things up this offseason. I'm not sure uh, how much sense DeAndre makes there, but I think Trey and, and DeAndre could, could coexist. So, it's kind of funny that, you know, with Luca and DeAndre and, and now Trey, like there's a possibility he could be playing with one of those two guys uh, and, you know, the whole Bagley situation. So it's that draft class has just gone berserk uh, with how this yeah. has played out. But uh, the, the one that kind of interests me the most is, and, and I'm huge on this, I have been for a while, but I think uh, Alex Caruso and Patrick Williams from the Bulls, I've seen, you know, Vucevic and a sign of trade kind of linked. I'm not too into that. I, I would just love to get as many no, three and D. Yeah. Uh, just surround Booker and Durant with three and D role players that, you know, can pretty much coexist with them effortlessly within the system. So Caruso is like a, one of the main targets for me. I don't know if the Bulls would uh, deal him, but if, if he's on the table, him and Pat Williams, I think would be an awesome return if you're just looking for depth and, you can go sign a, a Brooke Lopez in free agency and right there, that's your starting five or not, maybe not starting five, but that's five rotation players right off the bat. And that's not even talking about what you can get in a Chris Paul trade or with other assets. So just stacking the depth, that's the main thing for me, but uh, the bulls are the target. I think that makes some sense. And we'll probably see them linked to the, to the Suns a little bit here. Yeah. What they do with Vooch is going to be interesting. I think period. I mean, what they do with a lot of their players, uh, do they trade to Rosen do they re-sign Vucevic? Do they explore a Levine trade? Um, I think there's a lot of pathways for them. The Caruso and Williams thing, obviously I think those guys are targets that you should have in mind. It doesn't work straight up, so you would have to yeah, add more. And, sure. 
And that's where the that's where I because I've had you know the Bulls as a a team that I would think would like to have DeAndre Ayton. It's just constructing a trade that gets a little tricky. Kobe White in a sign and trade is one option there. I think he could be somebody that could help help the Suns off the bench. But then you're hard capped on the Suns side because you're completing a sign and trade, even though they're the receiving team rather than the Ayton stuff last year. They still get into the same problem there. Um, yeah. The Raptors are the other one. You mentioned them with the Pascal Siakam, Roji, and an Obi possibility when it comes to, to, the, to the Blazers, but Fred Van Vliet has a player option for this upcoming season that he could choose not to exercise, and at that point, I think he would be a, a really sol- solid target for the Suns. He doesn't quite make enough, so you're talking about adding Thad Young or Otto Porter, both injured and inconsistent players just as salary. Um, but something like that, I think, would would be pretty interesting. It probably would be Thaddeus because I don't think they want to get rid of Otto in case he is healthy because I think he's a pretty good player when he's healthy. So Thaddeus Young and Fred Van Vliet for DeAndre Ayton. Uh, maybe you get some sort of seconds or something on top of that. But yeah. what route would you go? Let me ask you this, unless you had responses to those trades. So I think Toronto is a good call first off. Like that's, that's the team that to watch. I think they could really, there's a lot of directions they can go. Uh, Van Fleet being traded. Like I think just circling back to the whole eight and trade in terms of what we're expecting to get. I think a lot of people are kind of set. Like we have to get a starting center back in this trade. Like, no, we don't. (laughs) It's pretty simple. Like you just get playable, um, you know, get rotation players for your playoff rotation. That's kind of the whole point is not, not emphasizing a center. That's the exactly. point of trading Aiton. So no, yeah, if you're prioritizing a center in the trade, then you're you're losing the plot before you even like do anything. Yeah, exactly, um, unless it makes sense, and there's not too many that I think make a ton of sense, uh, just at least at the moment. So uh, yeah, I, I think the Van Fleet one's interesting. That he's he's been a name that's been linked to the Suns for for years now, frankly. So if if something like that happened, you know, Toronto going around Scotty Barnes, DeAndre, and the, trading Siakam to Portland for a third pick uh, along with their other young pieces that that kind of gives you a nice foundational group to work around. So uh, Toronto blowing it up, I think would, it's, it feels a little bit overdue, but so does Portland. So that's where that kind of blows up a little bit. Um, if both teams decide to sell, which, you know, it's, it's just so tough to predict right now because it, there's so many, the ripple effect from those two teams, I think will at least freeze off season as long as they, they don't know what they're like. They don't pick a direction, I guess. So that's what I was getting at, I guess, too, in terms of the return. The question I was going to ask here is, do the Suns, should they target sort of this like multiple veteran role player route in a trade back for him? Or, because you mentioned with the draft picks, like I, I was a little bit dismissive of like, what do they have? What, va- what use do they have for a, a top 10 draft pick this year? But you mentioned they could obviously flip that. Yeah. Maybe there's no real difference outside of you have to make one more trade, but what would you prefer? Like, what would you be, which direction would you be leaning when you're talking, if you were talking to teams as James Jones of, do we want just kind of the sure thing, get a couple guys who we know can play for us or roll the dice a little bit and get a younger asset or a draft pick back that maybe we kind of try to roll over in the future as something additional to trade you try to get the best of both worlds, you know, get a couple of rotation players that 
you feel comfortable with around Booker and Durant. And if you can get draft capital to flip or another asset, uh, obviously you, you try to do that, but it's, it's going to be tough. Unless you have a certain name in mind to flip that piece for, then it's almost like it doesn't make a ton of sense to make a trade unless you're trying to stack assets. When, when you're a contending team, like, and I think how Ishbia operates, them going for a star straight up would m- probably be more likely at this point than depth, just based off what I've seen him do since yeah. he stepped in. So like DeMar DeRozan for DeAndre and could be a thing to even look at. Like that's just, yeah. I thought about that one. I was going to bring it up. I, I yeah. guess that's the third pathway, right? Is somebody who makes a similar amount to him, who is either a star or sort of like a unwanted guy somewhere else. Like look at CJ McCollum, like something like, mm-hmm. yeah, DeMar DeRozan yeah. guys like that. Yeah, and the Pelicans have been linked to A in a little bit too. Uh, so that's another team, I think, maybe uh, Valanciunas, CJ, one of those. I don't know. There's there's a lot of teams, I think, that... I think the Wizards are another example with Porzingis. Yep. I, I don't like that, but just that's the type of thing, right? Exactly. So there's there's just so many possibilities. It really just comes down to what they're trying. It's, it's not about this first move being the only move they're making. It's about predicting their next three or four moves ahead. So really comes down to like if, if they feel comfortable just adding one main piece that they can secure some role players on the cheap some vet men guys that they can convince to come play with booker and durant because honestly if i'm a free agent and kevin durant Devin booker on my team and i come here to sign a one-year deal and i'm going to be getting a ton of open looks playing in a system that's you know hopefully going to be pretty fast paced uh it's, it's going to be a great way to boost your value so i'd, I'd be all for I think a lot of veteran minimum guys are going to want to come play here. So that's also another thing to consider when thinking about the whole depth situation is like, you don't want to go too far into depth to the point to where you don't have a third guy entirely. So that's where the sun's got to be kind of careful. Yeah. Uh, Just watching some of these rosters where it's like you think Boston all year since, you know, they make the Brogdon deal in the off season, Last deadline, they make the Derek White deal. They have Robert Williams on an awesome contract. They get Al Horford out of nowhere. They have these two wings, whatever. And then it's like, hold on, that roster is not good enough? That roster has holes? You know what I mean? Or the Lakers, we think they have it all figured out because they make these deadline deals. And it's like, actually turns out all the guys that they traded the first pick and Russ for, they all are doing nothing. They don't matter. It's actually just Rui, who they got for five seconds. And there's like four reliable players on their whole roster in the playoffs. Like the margins for building a championship roster in the NBA right now feel incredibly hard uh, to nail. And um, whether you're going for a third star or depth, you know, I don't even think it's like leading me in one direction or the other. It's just like right when you think you have it figured out, you don't. <laughs> uh, and and all of a sudden, you know, Jimmy Butler's just scoring on your your nice little Derek White edition, it looks like a, a complete garbage move all of a sudden when he's, you know, pouring buckets in on top of, of his head. Uh, so it's it's tough. And I think the Aiton move, it's part of why I've been a little questioning of like, is it even a sure thing they move him? So let me let me ask you that on the other side of a, of a quick break, and then we can talk about some replacement options, some some cheaper guys if they didn't get a center back in the trade and uh, kind of how they proceed with those moves three, four, and five that you were mentioning. We'll do that after a break. All right, closing out the show. Brandon, I will ask you, I made the case a little bit last week in a show that, you know, whether it's Pelicans game three, whether it is 
uh, Clippers game four, uh, all these moments where DeAndre Ayton has looked absolutely awesome and dominant. Uh, the Bulls game when Booker had 50-whatever and, and Ayton looked amazing in that one in the regular season this past year, that I was willing to at least entertain the idea that if a good trade did not materialize, which is why I was so interested interested in the market, is there actually a market, if that all didn't pan out and there was no good deal, not one worth doing, that I would not be full bore on bailing on DeAndre Ayton this summer if it didn't feel like the right thing to do. Where do you stand there? Are you just done with him, move on, take what you can get, and cut bait? Or do you still feel like there is a potential reset that can happen in Phoenix despite everything that's happened here? So if Monty Williams was still here, I would say there's 0% chance he's returning just based off that relationship. And I still think him returning is pretty slim. But like you said, if there's not a trade that really improves the team to the point to where it's worth making and his values hit that much of a low point, at that point, I don't think he's worth dealing because, you know, you're, you're not going to get that value back that's going to move the needle essentially with him. So, uh, which I, I still don't think they're going to get a great return. Some fans are, will probably be disappointed either way. A lot of fans are kind of over it and would riot if they kept him. But at the same time, sometimes the trades that you don't make are the best ones. So if there's nothing on the table that pushes James Jones to make the move, then it could be something that extends out to the deadline. I would like to, something to get done. Honestly, it's just kind of the same thing with Monty, like, you know, wish him the best. But I think at this point, it's just for, for the best for for each party to kind of move on. And I, I hope the Suns get a good value uh, out of it. But, but like you said, if, if there's nothing out there that makes sense, then him remaining on the team would not be that surprising to me, which is yeah, and crazy you lose, to say out loud. Well, yeah, I know. But, I mean, look, it's like – Here's where I come down. As much as I can say that, I've also been thinking about it too, and it's like I think this actually might be the best summer to trade him because the deal is long enough where you are getting him for a substantial amount of time if you're the receiving team. Whereas next summer, it's down to two years, which really in the NBA is like one year you know, because expiring contracts get traded a lot and guys can maybe ask out or get unhappy or start, you know, asking for an extension, whatever. So really, if you trade him next summer, you're giving a a team like one season before they have to worry about it. Right now it's two. And the other teams across the league who we just went through in the past couple of segments, they're all also thinking about the same thing we just talked about. Well, maybe it was Monty. Maybe there's that opportunity. And if you let him sort of play it out then the veil i mean maybe he's amazing next season and it's mikhail all over again right but there's also the chance that he's exactly the same dude it doesn't matter monty was not the sole issue and then the value is even worse so i think this is the right time to strike i think this is the right time to do it and i also think this is the right time to kind of split the the contract up into multiple assets and that's the number one priority to me if i'm if i'm the Suns, are there certain players making a lot of money who i think could be worth it yes i'm not going to sit here and say max players are a no-go for me period but i think that at least in one of the paul or ayton situations you need to trade those guys 
in order to split up the contract, roll over assets from a salary cap standpoint, and not end up in the situation that some teams end up in where you have lots of guys making a lot of, a few guys making a lot of money and lots of guys making very little to no money. And the way the Suns cap sheet is set up right now between Shamit, Craig, Payne, all those guys are going to be off the books or could be off the books in the next couple of years. And you're asking for trouble when you don't have anybody making between 10 and $30 million. That's a bad thing to have happen. So that's, that's why I think you at least have to trade one of those two guys. Paul is probably more likely, but if it's Aiton as well, so be it. You roll the dice, get some depth, and and see what you can build going forward. Let me ask you this, though, because you wanted to talk about some of the uh, bargain bin or discount or not $30 million options that the Suns could go after. Is there somebody specific you have in mind or who would be a priority number one for you if they didn't get a center back in a trade and needed to go to the free agency market? Or maybe a trade for a different guy once they make, you know, maybe they trade Chris Paul for a center. Where's your head at? Yeah, so one name that I've kind of, and there's no link to this. There's nothing that's substantial. It's May 21st. But, there's no link to anything. Exactly. So so let's uh, just throw out Wendell Carter Jr. That That's a guy that I would love in, not just on the Suns in general, but I think next to Booker and Durant, just having a guy that can, space the floor a little bit, plays defense, plays hard. Uh, Orlando in general has a lot of kind of a roster jam. So they have some guards too, that they might need to, to clear up just heading into the draft. So there, there could be something there that that's someone I like. Uh, I already mentioned Alex Caruso. That's, that's another guy, just his toughness, someone in that mold, a Bruce Brown type of, you know, does the dirty work, um, knows his Actually, role. when we were talking about Jeff, Josh Green, not Jeff Green, Josh Green, yeah, he's actually kind of I, you were talking about Aaron Gordon. I was thinking of a different Nuggets role player, which is Bruce Brown. I think he's sort yeah. of, you know, that kind of like secondary ball handler potential. He's not as good of a ball handler as Brown is. He's less of a point guard, more of like a wing, but um, who can make open shots and plays really mm-hmm. tough and, and everything else. So that that type yeah. of guy is, is a must have. Maybe it's a Kogi, but I don't know if you can trust his jumper. Enough. Yeah, and I think Josh Green's so. Mavs fans will probably be split, like split with me on this, but I think Green has a little bit more offensive potential just because it's tough with a team that's so centered around Luca to really see what a guy's like offensive ceiling is sometimes. Yeah. So I think there's a lot more left in the tank, and he's looked better each year since since he's been in the league. So he's that's awesome. someone that yeah, I so that's someone. If, I think he's a really good player. Yeah. So if the Suns did end up acquiring like him, Tim Hardaway, in that tenth pick, and then use you know the tenth pick and Chris Paul in a separate trade to to get you know, another asset, then that'd be another option. I think could, could be a, a good, good route for them, but yeah, just finding role players that understand their role that are not going to be upset with touches. That's, that's the main thing. Well, so uh, let's get back to centers. Um, mm-hmm. I, I said it's May 21st and there's nothing out there, but um, as much as I'm not an insider, I, I don't have a blue check. I'm not, uh, not breaking any news here on the podcast related to any team's even the Suns, uh, the Magic are not going to trade Wendell Carter Jr. So, if that's not if that's not an option, um, where would you where would you look? So, like free agency wise, mm-hmm. Mason Plumley, Brooke Lopez, who you mentioned, I brought up like some absolute bargain bin type of options. So I had like Dwight Powell and Jackson Hayes. On my radar, uh, Paul Reed is a restricted free agent. That's like if you're just sort of like throwing stuff at the position to just fill it. 
but yeah. I think you need to do a little better than that, especially when you know Jokic is in your is in your conference, and you're probably going to have to beat him. Yeah, no, the the free agent list gets pretty depressing after those first few guys. Like, yeah, it's like Lopez, Jakob Pertl, uh, Plumlee's playable at least. Another guy, if the Clippers wanted DeAndre, and there could be Zubac type deal. You know, Zubac and Powell. I don't know, just throwing some names out there. Maybe he turns into a blockbuster, and Ty Lue's included. It's Chris Paul, and we just get absolutely pretty sure crazy. that the Clippers would rather just have Zubats. Um, if I'm being honest, because they, they love them. I, doesn't he much. make like just nothing? He makes ten million dollars. He makes hit the last year of his contract is two years from now, and it's twelve. It's a steal. Yeah. yeah so if they could get something with him and like one of Powell or Gordon, that's that would be. Something to look at. Just that would look probably at, get at how, Lawrence Frank fired, but probably. Um, but I'm here for it, so yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, if it's Tyloo too, then I'm I'm down. Let's let's just add Clippers to the mix and <laughs> take their whole franchise from. Can they throw the arena in as well? And we just you know that's the second yeah. home for the Suns. It's, it's the Ishbia effect. You know, there's yeah. there's no limits, so just run it up. It might have to be a trade. It might have to be even if it's not in the Aiton trade. But let's talk about Brooke Lopez, because I think that's sort of the one catch-all, but I think he'll be pretty highly desired in the, if the Bucks get rid of him, which I think there's w- kind of whispers that as they reset their team and try to get maybe a little younger and get the new coach in the door that they might move on. But what do you think of him? We can end on that. He feels like he could probably go toe-to-toe with Jokic well enough. He would space the floor for the the for the best players for Durant and Booker and he fits kind of the box of checking the box that you brought up which is just like let's not bring people in who are going to be concerned about numbers and role and whatever you got to kind of turn the page to like people who will come in and and buy into what you're doing and he's 35 he's been in a lot of situations I think winning a championship is probably the last goal for him oh no he won one so that's it so course he would come in and be all right that that feels like it could kind of checks as many of the possible boxes as you can available two-way player humble enough to deal with whatever comes his way and fits fits your team yeah no i, I love that fit uh, obviously the, it comes with some risk like he is getting up there in age and you know there's there's no guarantees a guy like that's going to be able to, to stay healthy and just be the anchor of your center for an 82 game season but come come playoff time i think he's an ideal center uh just looking at you know, obviously they had the, the 2021 championship run and he was a huge part of that. So that squad. So, uh, you know, the Suns know pretty well that, you know, he could contribute to winning and just fitting in with Durant and Booker, just spacing the floor would be awesome. So um, all the rumors leaking towards the Suns trying to find more of like a creative offensive mind, getting a center that can space the floor helps with any scheme essentially. So that that's where I think that fit makes sense. But like you said, I think a lot of teams will probably be thinking the same thing. So, uh, how are the Lopez brothers thirty-five? Where did time go? I know. I was I was just about to mention Robin's also a free agent. So maybe bring yeah. them both in, sign Landale, just have your you know three three goofy guys and as your your bigs and just you know get all the good vibes back here in the valley. Goofy is a a nice word for Jock. I'm not sure what to make of uh, of that guy. Um, <laughs> I say that with love. Alex Len, rejuvenated in the first round against the Warriors return of return of Len as well. Okay. Maybe Damian Jones is a free agent. Let's just bring hey, them TJ, all in. TJ Warren and Alex Len reunited. It'll, it'll feel like, uh, you know, 20, 2017 all over again. 
We have Blake Griffin as a free agent. I know he wasn't a son, but his brother was, so you could you could do that. And then just, yeah, Bismack and Jock and just center by committee, just reunion tour, all of it. Um, I think the bottom line here is Capella is exciting to me. Brooke Lopez is, is fairly exciting to me. I think that you could get some more switchable options like a Paul Reed or maybe you try to go after Maxi Kleba if Dallas really is interested in Aiton and you kind of go at it with like we have a, a couple of specialist centers more so than one type of guy Duran at the five hopefully is more of an option for this team going forward but I don't know man I got I just I think there's a lot more outcomes where the Suns look at what's out there and don't want to do a deal than people take for granted it might still only be a 30 percent chance they keep him 25 percent chance I'm not trying to say that that's my prediction but I think that people it seems to me that people are looking at this as like 95% chance he's gone, and that that should be adjusted. Yeah, and it, it kind of – it's similar to the whole Monty situation where you let him go and you're starting to look at the market and you're like, are we sure we're going to get someone better than Monty? And uh, they still can. It's still possible, but the, the options are pretty limited. So I think the Aiden situation could be the same where sometimes you, you make a move just to make one. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. But uh, if the Suns are completely over him, then that that also would not be too surprising. But let, let me ask yeah. you a quick question. Could you yeah. talk yourself into a DeMar DeRozan trade straight up? So I've, I've kind of been intrigued by that a little bit. So I don't I don't hate the idea of DeRozan because he's on, he only has one year left. That gets into a little bit of problems with with the cap situation. I, I don't like to run into that problem like I talked about where you're just you don't have enough salaries anymore so that would be a little bit of a concern I think his age would be a concern but really the biggest thing to me that would hold me back from doing that is it's just another player who does a lot of the same things offensively as Booker and Durant um it's just like a it would be a Spider-Man meme but all three instead of just two yeah mid-range mafia but like the joke starts to get a little old (laughs) you know what I mean like Okay, but, like, actually, could you guys take some threes? Not, you know, like, I know we're going to sell some T-shirts out of this. Shouts out to PHNX, but, like, could we also, like, could you just step back a few feet? (laughs) Yeah, no, I I feel you on that. I think DeRozan, I could definitely, if they actually pulled the trigger on a trade like that, I I could talk myself into it. It's not my first option, but there's definitely some some drawbacks, like you just went over. But uh, he's another guy that's hungry to win a championship. He's a veteran, probably. Um, I could see him having one of those playoffs where it's like not similar to Jimmy Butler in terms of everything he's doing, but in terms of just giving it his all, pouring his all in it. He's the type of guy that I think could have that type of postseason if he's in the right situation. Um, but like you said, there's so many similarities to what he does and what they already have. And and he doesn't play so defense. Many, exactly. And then there's, there's just so many other holes they have to fill on their roster. So unless they're confident they could find defense and, and depth in – in addition to making that trade, then it doesn't make a ton of sense, but it's something that, you know, if it happens, I feel like it, it's it's better than some of these other scenarios that I've seen flying out there. So it's just yeah. pick your poison at this point. Yeah, and we'll start to hear more and more. And, you know, the draft, I, I don't think it's out of the question that something related to Paul or Aiton happens at the draft. I mean, we know that Chris Paul has to have his salary guaranteed between the draft and free agency. So they, you know, it would maybe make more sense for them to trade him on draft night so that the team acquiring him 
can make a determination about whether to, to guarantee his salary. And from there, you know, we're off to the races. So we'll, we'll know a lot more as the days go by. We're less than a month from the draft. More rumors, more reports, more shows. Hit followers, subscribe to get them every single day in your feed. Become an everydayer. Get locked on to your favorite team every single Monday through Friday. You can read Brandon over at Bright Side of the Sun, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.